Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard, talking about the hierarchy in God. In other words, the second order, how God deals with man and the ministration to his body. How is the government of God set up? Well, we see that given to us by Paul in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. He says in verse 28, this is how God set his body up. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily, prophets, thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show unto you a more excellent way. Now we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God, not of ourselves. The excellent way is charity, but that requires progressive revelation and obedience unto righteousness. That's the reason why in Peter, his epistle said, you have to add to your faith virtue virtue being virtuous to God and not following other spirits but only the Lord God himself who is one then add to your virtue knowledge and of course my people perish for lack of knowledge and we grow up in the knowledge and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ you grow in grace you grow up in knowledge but you don't stop there you add to your knowledge temperance and temperance is self-control. He that striveth for the mastery must be temperate or self-controlled in all things, in all things of faith, in all scripture. Then temperance, then patience. That patience, let patience have a perfect work. After you've done the will of God, you have need of patience uh, that you will receive a full reward. And tribulation worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. That's the only way we have experience in God. And experience worketh hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost. But we don't stop there at patience. Add to patience godliness. Godliness is little g-o-d. That is uh, the God life. Christ in you, the hope of glory and obedience to have the blessings of God on your life they were obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness. But it doesn't stop there. Add unto godliness, brotherly kindness. And then brotherly kindness, preferring your brother above yourself, condescending to men of low estate, bearing you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then finally, add to brotherly kindness, charity. The more excellent way is charity. Charity is not love. Love not in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth charity is the love of god based in doing his will not a hearer of the word but a doer of the word and that is charity and it's that's the reason why charity is the bond or guarantee of perfectness that charity will cover a multitude of sins because a person that is following the leading of the holy ghost that Christ in them, the hope of glory, that seed remaineth, that he that is born of God doth not commit sin because of that seed. That seed remaineth in him. 
So it's imputed to the body of Christ through righteousness, which is by grace through faith. So therefore, we have to extend that faith. Can't just stop there. We have to go on. Faith through the virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, tempers, tempers, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. That's the more excellent way. And he tells and directs to us how important charity is. Though we speak with the tongue of man and of angels, understand all mysteries, faith to move mountains and have not charity. It profiteth nothing. Uh, we're tinkling brass and a sounding cymbal. When he was a child, he spake as a child, but when he became a man, he put away childish things. That's a higher level of faith. And we go from faith to faith. The highest level of faith is uh, reaching unto charity. Now, that body of Christ is led by the Holy Ghost, but there's gifts that he uses. And in that hierarchy, he first set in the church apostles. Now, in the apostolic succession, they say, well, that we went from the apostles to bishops. Well, that's extra-biblical. The first office is that of apostles. That's the highest office there is. He said, first in the church, apostles. That is the office that God uses in spearheading revelation, especially the deep things of God. The prophets confirm that. But notice in the book of Acts, in the former reign, it says the Acts of the Apostles. Well, it's really the Acts of the Holy Ghost, which is true. But the Holy Ghost has to be obeyed, and we be fellow laborers together with the Lord. His word has to be obeyed, obeyed in the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus stated, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, open the door. That's the door of your heart. I'll come in and sit with him and he with me. And that is a, a requisite for obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, and is certainly required for the apocalyptic sealing in Revelation 7, which we are entering into now. In Revelation 7, the four winds there were going to hurt the land, the sea, and the trees. And it said, wait until we seal the servants of our God in their foreheads. And heard the number of them that were sealed. 144,000. He did not write 144. He wrote in the English equivalent, RMD, R100, M40, D4, thousand. Being thousand is perfection. In other words, the only one sealed are only those that have reached perfection in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the 144 RMD thousand. Thousands perfected glory. We see that in the Song of Solomon, the Canticles of Solomon in chapter 8. Solomon hath a vineyard in Baal Haman. That's possessor of a multitude. And Solomon, you must have a thousand. That's perfected glory. All the keepers of the vineyard, 200. What? 
200 is insufficiency. As he told Philip and Andrew, when they said, I suppose 200 penny worth of bed, bread is not sufficient enough to feed all these multitude with the fishes and the loaves. Well, 200 is insufficiency. That is uh, that Bible numeric, 200. But each individual office in a fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, are for the perfecting of the saints, and each of those are worth 200, 200 for the apostle, 200 for the prophet, 200 for the evangelist, 200 for the pastor, 200 for the teacher, will yield 1,000. So he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers uh, for the perfecting of the saints. Those are the only ones sealed in Revelation 7, according to the sealing of God in their foreheads, that the angel having the seal of the living God ascending from the east. The east is eastward or has a gematria of 144. There we see the work of the ministry. It is brought in as it was in the former reign, Acts of the Apostles. Now, of course, the prophets are also mentioned in there, Agabus, Ananias, etc. But the going forth, the sent ones with the message were primarily apostles that God dealt with personally, not through a denominational backing, not through the Pharisees or Sadducees. He did not use them. He used those ones that would hear him and call for the foolish things of this world to confound them that are wise. Notice, not many wise and not many rich are called. He calls the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And that's what he did. He did not go through the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Essenes to bring forth the gospel. The 12 that he chose were fishermen, publicans, sinners. And he's never man spake like this man, Jesus. And they followed him. That apostles was the first office. He had 12 apostles. Haven't I chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? Now that goes along with it. There will always be an adversary to try to thwart or overthrow the work of God. But notice in the former reign in Acts, the second chapter, all the way through the book of Acts, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. Why? Because they have that spearhead move in the proceeding word of God for the body of Christ. That's what God said. He said first in the church, the body which is of Christ. He said first apostles, first apostles, secondarily prophets. So the primary office that he uses is that of apostles. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. It's really the Acts of the Holy Ghost because the apostle can do nothing except being led of the Holy Ghost and the power of the kingdom of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ speaking through them. But it lets us know that God has chosen these men, apostles, to forerun that word of God, that proceeding word of God, 
that spearhead movement for God, for the body of Christ, if you will. That's a spearhead. That are the ones, uh, that office of the apostles, that God deals with when he's doing that new thing. Now, the new thing that God will do, a woman shall compass a man. He's revealing that to his holy apostles and prophets. Ephesians 3, just as Paul stated. That, that mystery of Christ that's been hid from the ages, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. Not just apostles, holy apostles. Those that are sold out to God, that have forsaken the world and counted all things but dung. Just as Paul stated, I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness of God by faith. Now that faith goes from faith to faith and is always dynamic. It's not static. It is always dynamic and moving. It's the way of light, not the place of light. It's the way of light. It's always moving and progressing as we know it as a proceeding word. As Jesus stated, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, the oracle. And that comes directly from the throne room. Now in the book of Acts, it's the Acts of the Apostles, letting us know that primary office that God uses in the former reign will be the same as the precedent that he will do in the latter reign. God has apostles that he is speaking the new thing to bring to the body of Christ. And I was shocked there in their Kenya, Transmara, Kenya, Africa, on the 19th of January, 2019 that I had a visitation from our Lord Jesus Christ, saying, seal my people by my word, even as I send my angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. We immediately started doing all we could to bring that word to the body of Christ and the work of the cherubim, or the living creatures, the zoe of Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, that God is bringing and building that up now for those that have an ear to hear. We see that in the church, it first is apostles. Why the apostles? Because that is the spearhead office. And if the ones that are called to an apostle must, must be first partaker of the fruits and will suffer for that office, for the anointing. For if we don't suffer with him, we don't reign with him. 2 Corinthians 1 says, if you're partaker of the sufferings, you'll also be a partaker of the consolation. You cannot work the power of God without crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lust, mortifying uh, the deeds of the flesh. It is impossible to work the true gifts and con con confirmation of his word without dying to the flesh. Paul stated, I've kept under my body bring it into subjection to Christ, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. God is doing that now to those that have an ear to hear. God's doing a new thing. 
And he said, though a man tell it, yet they will not believe the new thing that God will do in the last days. He has stated, is this not sealed up among my treasures? What will be the primary office that brings it to the body of Christ? Will it be a denomination? Will it be fundamentalists, Pentecostals, apostolics? No, it will not be a denomination. It will be the called out ecclesia, the elect of God that hear his voice. It will not be a local church body. It will be the individuals that hear the voice of God and obey it. And this will make up the corporate body all throughout the continent, throughout the entire world that will come together in the unity of the faith and will bring the body of Christ into one. Let's take a look at the book of Acts when we see the role of the apostles, the role of the elders in the church, as well as the church body itself. <clears throat> in Antioch, there became a doctrine that except the Gentiles be circumcised, they could not be saved. Well, that was under the law of Moses. <clears throat> that was sign of a covenant in the circumcision of the flesh that he is a Jew that is one outwardly in that circumcision of the flesh that, flesh that happened on the eighth day. All know that. Jesus himself, before the law, was circumcised on the eighth day. In the days of his flesh, fulfilling his own law as a man made in under the law, a servant and under that law. There we find this brought forth to the church in Jerusalem. Now the question is, did the church of Jerusalem, was that the international headquarters for all the local churches? Or was it simply the location of where this false doctrine went from and so they brought it back to that church? Which one is it? Well, we're going to see in the Word of God, it's not an international headquarters of a denomination. It's simply that this doctrine that the Gentiles had to be circumcised came out of Jerusalem and they went to Antioch and preached that except the Gentiles be circumcised, they could not be saved. Well, they have a meeting back at Jerusalem. James is the pastor. There, well, we don't see James taking the pulpit first. We see that apostle, that apostle Peter, who had the keys to the kingdom, is the first one that takes the pulpit. Now let's take a look at it. In Acts the 15th chapter, this question arises. And let's take a look at the church government. Let's focus on the church government. Well, did the denomination vote? and say of the elders of that denomination in the international headquarters, this is what we're going to do. No. They were called men of God in that office, the office of the apostles that are first set in the church. And these apostles there have the anointing to bring forth that deep things of God. They will also suffer the most. 
and they will be servant of all. Just as Paul stated, I think that God has set us apostles last, that we would be the offscoring of all flesh, that we're made a literal scrutiny there for all to see of everyone. Set forth us the apostles last. They suffered more than the other offices because that suffering is required in crucifying the flesh with the affections of the lust, and to whom much is given, much is required. The deeper a person goes in God, the deeper the cross is going to be manifest in that person's life. Look at how great things Paul had to suffer. But God also granted special miracles by the hands of Paul that off the aprons off of his body, that as many there as it distributed were healed. Look at the Peter shadow. Peter's shadow, that as many fell under Peter's, Peter's shadow were healed. These were things that God did through the office and that apostles for the confirmation of his word. Now, it's true. We don't follow the signs. The signs follow the believers. In the last days, those that seek it after a sign are an evil generation. And an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, as Jesus stated. Albeit, the signs will follow them that believe in Jesus' name. Through that anointing of the office, there's an anointing of an apostle. Then there is a separate anointing for a prophet as a prophet's anointing. Then there's an anointing of an evangelist. The office is the anointing, and the revelation given to that individual will be commensurate with the sufferings that that individual will bear on the cross there to be partakers of Christ's sufferings, that the glory may also rest upon his head. Now that is the doctrine of the cross. We glory it all. We glory in the cross. Cross is the government of God. And what has happened in most Protestant churches throughout the world is a crossless Christianity. Not that you have to suffer. We are told that Jesus paid it all and we don't suffer. But that's not what the Lord stated. All the epistles said we're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer for his name's sake. Even Peter stated that in 1 Peter 4 verse 1, for as much then Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. There we are to arm ourselves with the same mind, be therefore likewise minded. That's the mind of Christ. Why? For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. The anointing will go along with that. This kind goeth not out, but by fasting and prayer. Who much is given? Much is required. There, the, think it not strange the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as your partakers of Christ's sufferings, and the glory of God resteth upon your head. There's no other way. You suffer with him, 
you'll reign with him. You want to work the works of God? Crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. Do the will of God. And then in the call of the office that God has called you for, be it apostles, prophets, be it teachers, be it workers of miracles, be it gifts of healings, be it helps, be it governments. We're going to see that there's helps to the ministry that help it along and assist it. They're governments. These are the elders in the local churches that are appointed there by the church to reign over the and govern over the local church. Those are governments. And those that are elders of the church that labor in the word of God are worth double honor. They have the responsibility of overseeing the matters of that church. Now, Paul states in Acts 20, 28, take heed to yourselves and over all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. We're all overseers. To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. That is a divine command. And those that, that literally lead the body of Christ don't do it where they lord over God's people, but as an example, as an ensemble to the body of Christ, that they are to lead by example. And as, as Paul stated, the minister must be first partaker of the fruits. And he says, if you preach that you shall not steal, thou shalt not steal, do you steal? If you preach against bearing false witness, do you bear false witness? You must be first protector of the fruits. And those that strive for the mastery must be temperate, self-controlled in all things. God requires that. And we that preach and are ministers over the body of Christ will receive the greater condemnation. Why? Because who much is given, much is required. And that means not conviction, condemnation. So we take the pulpit or the teaching or the preaching to the body of Christ in the fear of God and very broken, humble, and contrite because knowing that God will require every word and that anyone that offends one of the least of these in the body of Christ, it's better that a millstone was hung about his neck and cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones there in the body of Christ. There we find the apostolic succession. What he stated in the church is still what he's doing today. In the former reign, it will still be a continuation in the book of Acts. There's no amen or the end in the body of Christ, in the, in the book of Acts, in the body of Christ. It's still in operation. But the word is the word, and it's forever settled in heaven. Yes. But the revelation of that word in the Christ generation that will proclaim Jesus' ministry, the work of the ministry, in the last days, still has a three and a half year consummation. In other words, Jesus was cut off in the midst of the week, causing the sacrifice and oblation to cease. There, he was cut off, but not for himself. 
Isaiah said, and who shall declare his generation? That generation that shall be counted for the seed. And Jesus talked about this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. All truth be fulfilled. Just as Jesus stated going to the cross, saying to his disciples, I have many things to say to you, the things of faith, but you're not able to bear it now. Why? Because it's progressive. There's more to come. Going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. But he said, when the comfort of the Holy Ghost has come, the spirit of truth will lead you and guide you into all truth, not partial truth, all truth. For he shall not speak of me or speak of himself, but he will speak of me. Pardon me. He will not speak of himself, but he will speak of me. He will not speak of the power office. He'll speak of the redemptive office. As Jesus is the way, truth, and life in the days of his flesh. He will speak of me and will show you things which will come to pass. Well, that's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the last book in our Bible. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show and to his servants, that's the people of God, the ones that obey God unto righteousness and unto holiness, things which must shortly come to pass. Those are the things of faith unto all truth. He sent and signified it. That sign is the seal. The Son of God, him hath God the Father sealed. It's the word forever settled in heaven. And he stated that in Haggai, that Zerubbabel, second chapter, Haggai states that Zerubbabel, you are as my signet. That's the sign, S-I-G-N, Aloftov, E-T, the signet or the engraving of an engraver or the signet or the seal is Zerubbabel. Not only will you be the one sealed, but you are the instrument by whom God will seal. Now that is a profound revelation because they're instruments of God, vessels meet for the master's use. So Zerubbabel, it's the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, to the service of God in these last days. We see there's a change of raiment. First, there's going to be a measurement. We see that in Revelation 11. We've also see that in Zechariah, the second chapter, corresponding parallel scriptures. There was a reed likened to a rod given unto me, John stated. John, who is there in the spirit of Elijah. John the Baptist forerun Jesus' first coming in that spirit of Elijah. But Jesus stated, Matthew 17, that Elijah truly must first come and restore all things, all things in truth and faith. That is the fathers. We said that in Malachi 4. He said uh, that, behold, I send Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. What about this? ministry of Elijah. He also mentions 
Moses. Remember my servant Moses. Behold, I send you Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Notice in that, in that spirit of Elijah, he said, I'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. That's the work of the ministry. The fathers are the ones that, that have gone from newborn babes to little children to young men to fathers. The fathers are the ones that know him that's from the beginning in 1 John 2, 12-14, as stated by John in his epistle. That's the final growth state. But they're children. Those children are born again. I'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Why? It will bring in the unity of the faith to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, being a full mirror image, expressed image of Jesus Christ, a glorious church without spot or blemish. That's what we're all called for. For whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Those that he predestinated, them he called. Them that he called, he justified. Them that he justified, them he also glorified to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, not something less. And this is where we are now. But in the apostolic succession, it's happening now that God now is moving us into not the former reign, Pentecost, but the latter reign, Tabernacles. We're not Pentecostals anymore. We're tabernacleists. To those that have an ear to hear. As Jesus stated, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice. How many are hearing the voice of God now? And after you hear the voice, you have to open the door. You have to move. You can't stay there in your present circumstance and situational ethics at your church and say, well, God, I believe it, but I don't move. You have to move and receive the word of God in belief and the faith in, in grasping it and standing on it, sending it forth in either apostles, prophets, teachers, gifts of healings, miracles, helps, help the ministry go forth, governments, the uh, a leader governing in the local church, calling out elders in the church appointed that will be over the local governing body in the local church. And these are the gifts that God has called each and every individual member for. Now, the quest for life is to find out what the call of God is for each individual member, for you and for me. How do we know? Well, we have to seek God diligently, and then he will reveal to us his call, his election of grace, and what we are called for in that particular member in the body of Christ. That only you can do. Whatever he's called you for, only you can do it. Just as he did with Jonah. Jonah, you go to rise and go to Nineveh. Prophesy against it. Well, Nineveh jumped the, uh, excuse me, Jonah jumped the ship of Tarshish, and we know the story. He's running from God. Many are running from God today, thinking, well, it's going to happen. God, you don't need me. I'm insignificant. No, 
God needs every individual member that's called for in his body that he will fitly frame together and compact it. For according to the measure of each member in particular, of whichever joint supplies to edifying itself in love. We have to come together in that knowledge of a particular call. God has dealt to each member, to every man, the measure of faith. Why? That's not a general faith. That's not a general calling. It is an individual calling that God specifically calls for each individual member in the body of Christ for. Not all, as Paul stated, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all workers of miracles or gifts of healing, or do all speak of tongues, do all interpret, and he goes on. Because God has dealt to each man the measure, the measure of faith to whatever we're called for, he has given us the faith to enable us to accomplish that calling or that purpose of God in our life. God's doing that now for this last great day work. It will not come through a denomination, never has. It will not come through the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the Essenes. It will come through the individual members in the body of Christ, hearing the word of God, moving on in obedience, coming together for whatever purpose you're called for in that body of Christ. Somebody said, well, I'm called for an apostle, prophet, or a teacher, or but you're called then for helps or governments or whatever the case is, to come together in that body of Christ. It must come together, lest the Lord smites the earth with a curse. We have to move. Faith requires it. Faith without works is dead, being alone. Show me your faith without your works, James said. I'll show you my faith by my works. These works accompany salvation. There we find in the book of Acts. There's a question comes up. This is in the former reign, in the Pentecostal former reign of the Holy Ghost. And notice the book is called the Acts of the Apostles. Why? Because of the spearhead. And we find at Jerusalem, it comes this question. Should do the Gentiles have to be circumcised as the law of Moses states to be saved? Well, here we go. Take a look at Acts 15 and look at verse 4. And when they were come together to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and the elders. And they declared all things that God had done with them. And this was about the, con the conversion of the Gentiles. You see that in verse 3. And being brought on their way by the church. This is Paul and Barnabas, etc., coming to the church. Everybody's meeting at Jerusalem. They passed through uh, Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. Now, here we are there at the church of Jerusalem. Look at verse 5. There arose a question. Here we go. And, but there arose, there come up, Certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them, to circumcise the Gentiles, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. In other words, they must be circumcised of the flesh to be saved. 
and the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. Not the whole church, but notice the apostles come together. That office of that spearhead of the apostles, then the deep things of God as a spearhead, along with the elders of that church, which are the governing elders over that local body at Jerusalem. Not because it is international headquarters for the other churches, but because that's where the problem came out of to begin with. And when they had been much disputing, well, should we or should we not? Do we require the Gentiles to be circumcised or not? And they disputed the matter. Peter rose up, not James. Notice that. The pastor does not stand up. Peter stands up and says unto them, men and brethren, as you know that a good while ago, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe that he is recounting Acts the 10th chapter with the house of Cornelius of the Italian band, which Peter was sent there because he had the keys of the kingdom and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. That's what Peter stated. Can any man forbid water that they shall not be baptized? Who have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Acts the 10th chapter. And then he goes on. And put no difference between us, that is the Jews, and them, the Gentiles, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, what tempt you, God, to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. There's Peter. Now, does James take the pulpit? No. Paul and Barnabas does. Here we go. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, apostles again, and said, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared, Simon Peter, at the first, God did visit the Gentiles to take of them a people for his name. Now, verse 15, and to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. After this, I'll return and build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I'll set it up. He's talking about that the Gentiles are coming into this house of David also, which is Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, in the church, according to the seed of David, according to the flesh. They will also be accounted for the seed, Christ in them, the hope of glory. Then James is recounting what Peter has said, what Barnabas and Paul have said. Now he's quoting what the prophets have said. Then he said that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things, known to God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. He gives his counsel. And he says, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath never seated them that preach him, 
being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Now he's given his counsel. So now we have Peter, Barnabas and Paul, James the pastor, and then he gives his counsel. Then watch verse 22. Then pleased it the apostles and the elders. James just didn't say, this is it. This is what we're going to do. They all agree. Not only did the apostles and the elders agree, with the whole church, the whole church gave their consent, said, yes, this is what we believe. To send chosen men of their own company to Antioch, Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judah surnamed Barsabbas and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them uh, there after this manner, talking about confirming that the Gentiles will be saved uh, by faith, not having to be circumcised for circumcision or non-circumcision availeth nothing but faith in the Lord God. Notice the government of God at work there. First, Peter takes the pulpit. Secondly, we have a second witness where, with Barnabas and Paul. Then we have the pastor James, then the elders, and then the whole church. This is how it will be in the latter reign. This is the former reign. Any question comes up, Jesus has already stated when he blew onto them in John 20, verse 22, and said, Receive you the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. That is uh, through the Holy Ghost. That is the judgments of God given through the body of Christ that they will either remit or, or condemn. They either remit their sins uh, there or they retain them. That is the power given through the Holy Ghost to the corporate body of Christ. Not to just one man to say, I forgive your sins. No, through the body of Christ. And that is through the Holy Ghost, Christ in them, the hope of glory, and the whole church agree. Well, that's the same way. First is apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. It goes on. Every individual member has a calling. We must hear that voice of the Lord and obey it to do the will of God and be an overcomer. So now we must be born again. That's born of the water and the spirit. How do you do that? Acts 2.38. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the spirit. Those are newborn babies. They desire the sincere muck of the word they may grow thereby. But you don't stop there and say, this is the whole gospel to the whole world. No, you're just a newborn baby desiring the sincere muck of the words you may grow thereby. Now you go to what? The next step, the little children. As in 1 John 2, 12 through 14, I write you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake and you've known the Father. Well, you know that Jesus is the Father revealed. The Son of God is the Father revealed in the days of his flesh as the expressed image of his singular person. No trinity, you know Jesus is the Father. But you're not full grown. You're now little children. That you don't stop there. Now you go, I write to you young men, because the word of God is strong in you and you've overcome the wicked one. That's Revelation the second and the third chapter. The overcomers, they hear the voice of the Lord and they obey it and overcome. Those are young men. 
they have certainly grown from a newborn baby to little children now, not just to the person knowing who Jesus is, the Father of glory, God Almighty, the Lord is that spirit. They have gone on to the work of the ministry, knowing the individual calling and purpose of God to being an overcomer. But that's still not all. There's still another growth state of fathers. As John states, I write to you fathers because you've known him that's from the beginning. That's the word of God. In the beginning was the word, word was with God, the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made that the fathers know him that's from the beginning. They know the word of God and have eyes before and behind in the revelation, in the new thing that God is doing in the latter reign of the Holy Ghost, leading the body of Christ into that as the living creatures. These are the cherubim. They're not angels. They are the body of Christ in a higher glory. They're not Pentecostals. They're tabernacleists. They have that ministry voice of Jesus coming together in one move in the body of Christ, lifting up Jesus only. And if he be lifted up, he draws all men unto him. And that's where we are now asking uh, of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So will the Lord make bright clouds, send forth showers, everyone grass in the field. What is uh, the office? Wherein will be the spearhead move in the body of Christ in this last day move of God? The apostles, as it was then, it will be so again. And it's not the apostles themselves, it's the Holy Ghost. But notice, in your book of there, in the book of Acts, it states the Acts of the Apostles. Why? Because they're anything? No. We're nothing. He's everything. But why? Because it's the office. The office is the anointing. And God deals with that office in that hierarchy. God's ahead of Christ, Christ's ahead of man, man ahead of the woman. And in the church runs the same way. That Christ speaks in and through, firstly, the leading office apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers, and etc. We must all come together. Some will be helped. Some will be governed. Some work of the miracles. Some gifts of healing. All of these will work together for the self-same Jesus to be lifted up. But the body of Christ must come together. That's why I leave you my phone number so we can meet and work together. I don't care what part of the world you're from, where you live now. I'm not talking about, we're not talking about a local church body. We're talking about the coming of the Lord and the parousia, the latter reign of the Holy Ghost, that the body of Christ will be lifted up and sealed with that mind of Christ in Revelation 7, for the sole purpose of preaching this everlasting gospel for all the world, to all the world, for witness in all nations, and then and only then will the end come. All truth has to be restored because Jesus will not come until that happens. He states that in Paul, states it also, then cometh the, then cometh the end, when he shall deliver up the kingdom of God, even of the Father, that he may be all through all and in us all. 1 Corinthians 15. We see in Acts 3, 20, uh, verse 20 and 21, Peter stating that the heavens must receive Jesus 
until the times of the restitution or the restoration of all things. All things of faith. Faith is the substance of things so far. The evidence of things not seen. What things are the things of faith? That's all true. Growing up into Jesus in all things that were not tossed to and fro by everyone to doctrine. That is all truth. The Holy Ghost leading us and guiding us into all things, all truth. And that is a revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants that will be sealed in Revelation 7 things that must shortly come to pass it and signified it by his angel unto John, who is in the spirit of Elijah, that God is doing now, that must prophesy again before many nations, kindreds, tongues, and kings. Neighbor, God's talking to you. He's talking to all the body of Christ. Let us hear from you. The body of Christ is coming together. Africa is leading right now, coming into that measure of the statue of Jesus. We have an overabundance of ministers there, uh, over a thousand ministers in Africa alone that have taken this engrafted word of God that's able to save us and the present proceeding word of God in this present truth. So we need to hear from you. Holy Ghost bore witness with your spirit. Don't procrastinate. Don't set at ease in Zion. Move by faith. Jesus said, Woe be unto them that are at ease in Zion, that Jesus will dwell, search Jerusalem with candles, and punish all those that are settled on their leaves. We must be stirred, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and work it by faith unto righteousness, unto holiness, and obedience. Please call. If God is dealt and the Holy Ghost is dealt with your spirit, and you have believed this word, that it is time for the body of Christ to come together, God dealing with you. If God hadn't dealt with you, fine. If God has dealt with you, please call, leave your name and number. I'll get right back to you where we can meet, work together for the work of the ministry. My country code is plus one, 903 area code. 746-4885. Again, call, leave a message. I'll get right back to you and look forward to meeting you. I don't care where in you are located in this world. Please call country code plus one. Area code 903-746-4885. We're praying that God perfect that which is lacking in each and every one of us that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold, the real Jesus.